the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There are those who would tell you that it's the school. Some will say Sunday school. But as we'll see today, it's the home that makes all the difference in the world. Join us and find out why next on Truth For Today. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, welcome. This is Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard will take us to Deuteronomy chapter 6 today, a message called The Impact of a Godly Home. You know, many will clamor that it is the school that forms our children. Some will insist for a kid's program because it's the church's job. But as we'll see today, God tells us, plain and simple, it's the home that makes all the difference in the world. Won't you join us again? We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6. With today's broadcast of Truth For Today, here's Pastor Phil Howard. Before I uh, start dealing with this subject of the influence of the home, uh, there's a book you might ought to get if you're a parent. It's called uh, Parenting Isn't for Cowards by James Dobson. And uh, I'm going to give you several amusing things, insightful things from that book as we begin to look at the message. He tells the story of a man and his wife, and they had three children. And children come in three different packages, according to Dobson. He says they come in these packages. They come as a strong-willed child. And just meeting some of you, we know what you are. We pray for your mother. Can imagine you at three years old without restraint and with a plate of food in front of you. We can't imagine. The second kind of child that Dobson mentioned is the compliant child, easy to get along with. And the third kind of child he calls the shy, timid, distant child. Takes him a while to warm up. Well, this couple happened to have three compliant children that all made A's, straight A's. They all excelled in music. They all excelled in everything. And around age 40, something happened. She had another baby. But this time, it wasn't compliant. He was so tough, they called him the caboose. At six years of age, he was tough, as tough as nails and twice as sharp. He loves to fight with his parents, and he already knows more than them. Uh, They don't know what to do, and every theory that they were ready to publish has evaporated because they got one strong-willed child. Dobson says, when I think of these parents today, I'm reminded of a photograph of my files of an elegantly dressed woman who is holding a cup of coffee. Her little finger is cocked so daintily to the side and her face reveals self-assurance. Get the picture. Unfortunately, this woman does not know 
that her slip has collapsed around her feet. (laughs) The caption reads, Confidence is what you have before you understand the situation. (laughs) And that happens to be the way people are about children. Those who know the most about it have not raised any. Or very few. Irma Bombeck says these moving words. She said that she does not, she only knows how she got the three children she had, but she doesn't know why. (laughs) She finally decided that they were a 4-H project that got out of hand. (laughs) Moving. A woman was... uh, Cooped up with her toddler for several weeks, and in a desperate effort to get out of the house, she saw that a Muppet movie was showing, and she decided she would take her little uh, toddler, and they'd go to the show, two years old. But when they got to the theater, the child was so light that the theater seat couldn't hold them. It kept popping up. (laughs) So she said she had to hold the toddler of two years of age, But no movie would be complete without a large Pepsi and a large order of buttered popcorn. And so uh, right about halfway through the movie, you guessed it, the toddler upset the Pepsi and the buttered popcorn, and the gooey mixture flowed over the child onto the mother's lap and down her legs. She decided to sit it out since the movie was almost over. What she didn't know, unfortunately, was that she and her son were being systematically cemented together. (laughs) When the movie was over, they stood up, and the mother's wraparound skirt came unraveled. It stuck to the bottom of the toddler and followed him up the aisle. She stood there clutching her slip and thanking the Lord she had taken time to put one on. (laughs) Parenting is not for cowards. Oh, can't you see the woman with the confidence and the slip at her feet? That's the way many people entered into this matter of parenting. That's so confident, read the books, my children will never do, I'll do this, I'll do that, and not aware of the great challenge of it. I'm going to look at Proverbs 22.6, and then we're going to go to Deuteronomy 6. I believe that Proverbs tells us what to do, and Deuteronomy 6 shows us how to do it. And so, let's look at Proverbs 22.6 that says, Our homes ought to be training centers. They ought to be training centers. And here's a famous verse. Train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. A great treatment of this verse you may enjoy in John White's book, Parents in Pain, who says that Proverbs are principles that are with exception. But they are wisdom that has been observed. The normal pattern is this will happen. 
I would like to say this, Proverbs 22.6 has nothing to say about salvation. Do you see any salvation in that verse? The wise men that wrote this weren't thinking about born again people. They weren't thinking about salvation. They were thinking about normal processes of training children. Not their ultimate salvation. You see, salvation is not a result of training. It's a result of God's goodness. You can't train someone to be born again. You chew on that for a while if you want. There's a lot of preachers that got kids going to hell. And they hear their dad preach every week. Some of you've got some that way. And you're trying to figure out what did you do wrong. You might not have done anything wrong. But the principle here, what does it mean to train a child? Does it mean rigid conformity? Lots of spankings? Proverbs does say there's a place for the rod, for corporal punishment. Primarily, there's a place for the mouth. In Proverbs, you train a lot more with your mouth than you do with the rod. Child rearing is talking and listening. The rod is reinforcement. Some people like the rod because they don't know how to train. Some people neglect the rod and they undo their training. This word train is an interesting word. The root word is hanak. Uh, and Gesenius in his Hebrew lexicon says that it refers to the jaws or the palate. Uh, it was used of putting something in the mouth. They used it of putting something in a horse's mouth to bridle it. It was used that way, and they also used it later of the dedicating of something. It, it developed in its usage. But according to Kyle and Delich, in their commentary on Proverbs, this word meant to affect the taste. In the Arabic, it meant to put date syrup into the mouth of the suckling so that they created a desire to suck. And the idea was after the baby was born and had been washed, that the Arabs would take a mixture of dates and crust them and put that syrup to cleanse any afterbirth from the mouth so they felt it had a cleansing effect. But also it would begin the sensation of sucking. They start sucking on that date syrup and hand it to the mother to begin to nurse. And so the word developed to have the idea of to create a desire for create a taste for, create the sucking, as it were. And so they used it as the word of understanding that to train was to make one thirsty for more, to long for, to create desire in the child for what you're teaching them. That's a powerful concept. What are we doing in our children to create a desire in them for what we want them to know about our God, for what we want them to know about moral behavior, about the basic manners of life? How do you train? Do you box them? Do you shout at them? Do you get angry all the time? Parents are out of control because they don't know how to train. They can't even train a dog, let alone a kid. But some men are better with dogs than their own kids. They love the dog more. You can learn to train what you love. 
You can learn to train what you love. And this concept here means we create a desire in this child for the things we're trying to teach them. So it's a very delicate, beautiful word picture of training. Create the hunger. I can name three teachers in all of my studies from a bachelor's to a doctorate. Three teachers left me hanging at the end of the class for more. Others, I slept through half their lecture and didn't miss anything. But others, you were left hanging more, more. I think of a man named Dean Moore, a teacher named Laverne Schaefer, and a Howard Hendricks. Those three men, it was a disappointment when the bell rang. You hated it when you heard the class was over because the appetite had been awakened to know the truths they were espousing. Are your kids ever left hanging to know more of what you're telling them? Or do they begin to yawn the moment you open your Bible because ether comes off the pages? Well, the word also here, to train them according to his way, it says in the way he should go, but that's not what the original says. It says in his way. And there's been much debate, much debate on what that means. But I think its very basic meaning is to train a child in keeping with his uh, aptitude, his age. Train him in keeping with his bent. Train him in keeping with his personality. Every child's different. Find out the age level. Communicate on that. I think a lot of dads take this attitude. Boy, I can't wait till my boy grows up. Then we can have fun. About 13, I'll start relating to him as a son. A little late. I'll be glad when my boy can do what I like to do. Then we can have a relationship. What if your boy never comes to like what you like? What if your boy never is an athlete, but he becomes maybe a musician? What if he never becomes an outdoorsman, but he likes drafting? What if he becomes an artist? You say, well, we just don't have anything in common. You get plenty in common. Train them in keeping with their bent. Train them in keeping with their own uh, nature. In conformity to their nature, their peculiarities. Train them in keeping with the place they are in their development. I see uh, parents, and I love talking on this now that I'm in my 50s. I feel like an expert. I'm not an expert, but I've got a lot more observation behind me than when I taught it at 27. I, I am amazed at how people have no time for children and that how that adults want those under five, maybe, to just like that, or they don't want them to do anything except tear up your house. Don't bring your kids to my house to tear it up. Let them tear yours up. Wait until they're tamed to take them out. But the desire to relate to them. But I just see people who put them on hold. They're not even people at that stage. Or they're always irritated that their childhood development, they're just normal at that stage. Normal difficulties. Normal problems. And the parents can either accept that as a challenge, accept that as the norm, or say, what's wrong with this crazy kid? 
train them in conformity to their way. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. They won't depart from the training they received. That is a natural rule of life. We normally act for the rest of our life the way we were trained the first 10 years of our life. The Catholic Church has said, give me a child until they're five and they'll always be a Catholic. Because they knew of the power of the impressionable years up to age five, that if you're on the job and if you catechize and if you teach and if you instruct, you can win them by the time they're age five. And they've done a terrific job of it, proving their whole thesis. If you train them young when they're pliable, but before the clay has set out, if you aim the arrow at a young age, and what's the easiest age to hand them off but when they're small? We're being consumed with career, or we've got a lot of available babysitting, and we just, uh, then all of a sudden we want them to snap into the thing we want. But I find that it's a norm in life. Kids act as the, just like the way they were trained. Saved and unsaved alike. They act like the old man. They act like the mother. I've counseled people before they're getting married. I remember this one uh, couple, and the young lady said, I just hope I don't act like my mom when I get married. And I said, I do too. I know your mom. <laughs> and, and you'll see kids say, boy, he acts just like dad. Or they'll pass on, let's say if you grew up with a non-affectionate parent, it's easy to pick that up just naturally. It's not a right or wrong. It's just, you pick it up. Uh, if you grew up uh, with uh, no spankings, you think any spanking's cruel. If you grew up with uh, uh, brutal spankings and maybe abusive spankings, anyone who spanks is cruel. You grow up with these, you think like your folks about money usually. Uh, you, a lot of stuff. And this principle is talking about children will become the way they're trained. You're creating an environment. You're creating a mindset. I think of children that grow up in Christian homes. They are getting an opinion of God by watching you. You claim to know the most about God. The child doesn't. And I think of children that watch parents fuss, fight, fume with one another discuss the church negatively all the time, have fried preacher every Sunday, and they wonder why their kid grows up to hate the church. They got their impression of God and the church from you. And they may be saved or unsaved, but it just happens that if you grow kids up in a negative, critical, pessimistic, down environment, they tend to be that kind of people. The principle's there. But I think what we've done, we've always claimed it for salvation. And I don't see that it says that at all. Because Proverbs does say that fools are born from the womb. And all of us were born foolish. But some are born in their bent as fools from the womb. That he says in places in Proverbs, they seem to never be turned from it. It's a scary passage. That fools, even though you beat them up, may remain a fool. Turn with me now to Deuteronomy 6. How should we train them? Give me some handles of how to train. In Deuteronomy, the first three verses here, chapter 6, you must get the context of this book of Deuteronomy. It's, the book is named the second giving of the law. The law was given the first time in Exodus 20. 
but it happened to be given to the parents of the children being addressed here. Because their parents did not believe God would give them the land, and so God marched them around in the wilderness for 40 years. I believe it was all those that were 20 years of age and younger were spared. And so we have people here that lived through the Exodus that are now 60 years of age at least. They buried their mom and dad in unbelief. And now they're on the brink of going into the land. They're going into a hostile land filled with Canaanite religion, which was gross immorality, which was gross worship. You cannot imagine how bad it was. That's why they were often commanded to burn the very rooms that they came to. They were told to burn children, men and women, infected with all kinds of diseases, because to be a Canaanite worship was to be a prostitute, was to be homosexual at the temple shrine many times, male prostitutes. It meant to give your daughters up to lewd worship. It was a filthy, dirty, vulgar land. It was like growing up on rap music. I want to say something about rap music. There's nothing wrong with the medium. If you like to... There's nothing wrong with that. It's not music. There is something wrong with the message. You're accountable for what you listen to. And I was at a stop here the other day. I was there for 30 seconds. And in 30 seconds, I heard this car that was gyrating. And I heard that somebody was a bitch. And I heard somebody else was an MF. In 30 seconds, at a stop. Don't tell me you can listen to that and please God. Don't get mixed up. The medium... You can make music a lot of different. The message, we're accountable for what we put into our ears and our eyes. You choose what goes in there. And God says in his word, set no evil thing before your eyes. They're going into a culture here that everything's filthy and dirty. And the only bastion against the culture would be the home. There was no church here. No synagogue yet. The home would be the main line of defense. The context of the home was a pagan culture. And God is instructing them through Moses, how can you survive once you go into the land? Now he begins to tell them the characteristics of the home that can survive. Verse 4, the first thing you've got to know to survive. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is a compound unity. God is compound unity. He's three in one. And this God is not divided. He's not divisible. He's an indivisible God. And he wants indivisible response. Notice, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The home, what characteristics in a home impact a child? The home where the parents have an undivided love for God. Undivided love for God. Their priority in life is God first. 
They love God with all their heart, with all their might, with all their strength. Their God is not a one-hour experience on Sunday. Their God permeates their home life. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. By the way, men, we would invite you to join us for our Valley Bible Church Men's Conference, Walking to Win. You know, life is a journey, and how you get through it matters. Abiding in Him makes all the difference in the world. This series will be taken from John chapter 15, and again, the conference is called Walking to Win. It's Friday, March 9th, check in at 5.30, and Saturday, March 10th, with breakfast at 8 a.m. The price includes dinner Friday evening, breakfast, and lunch on Saturday, and each attendee's packet will include a free book that will be useful on your journey, a DVD conference booklet, pen, and snacks. Again, that's Friday, March 9th, and Saturday, March 10th. The early bird special is $45 until the end of this month. After that, it's $60 a person, $30 for Saturday only. For information, simply stop by our website or give us a call, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.